Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Season 2, Higher Balance Classics, Timeless Teachings. Rebel Guru Radio is sponsored by Cramp Medic, the most powerful cramp fighting supplement on the market. I think it's an excellent product. I can honestly say for myself, and this is of course uh, difficult to say because it's coming from me, but I hope you take my word on it. I don't think there's anything out there better than Cramp Medic for leg cramps. I used to get them on a near daily basis, maybe every couple days. I know that uh, when I had my motorcycle or bicycle, uh, my legs would be the worst. I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Uh, There have been times where I've thought about, maybe I should go to the emergency room. Since I've used Cramp Medic, I probably use one serving and I will not have to reach into using this again probably for two, two and a half weeks. That is more than double what I felt was the recommended like once for every seven days. That's how effective it is. I do think that people need to use it for two to three times to build up somehow in your in your system. We have mainly all positive reviews. Apple cider vinegar is what is going to reduce, you know, acid buildup in your muscle tissue very rapidly. Cayenne pepper is going to expand your capillaries to move that blood into those tight cramping muscles that just do not want to let blood in there to soften it. It is very, very effective. It is going to get in there. Electrolytes very fast. It's going to do the job. It's just a great product. And that's what I have to say about it. Crampmedic.com. The other thing I wanted to say is the Higher Balance Institute store, HBI or highbalance.com. We've worked very hard at reducing and slashing the pricing, trying to keep it as a mainstay price forum. People have said over the years, it's too expensive for them and they can't afford it. Uh, I don't know what the next excuse is going to be because it is extremely affordable. Um, We're doing our best to do that. Having Cramp Medic, finding other stuff to maneuver around so we can keep this thing going uh, has allowed us to bring those prices down. Uh, we do have a lot, a lot of material, a lot of classes that are really excellent, I feel. Uh, you know, going probably for several dollars, some of those classes. Uh, probably at least 70, 80% off of what we charge, maybe even more. Uh, one thing we may do is maybe change around in the store, like uh, uh, bi monthly or something, which modules we're offering because there's so many. I think people get lost in it. So if there is something you want, I strongly suggest you grab it before we start moving it around, but it will come available again. It just may take six months to a year before all those other ones start arriving uh, back for availability. And we're going to start taking down some probably to try to keep some organization to just the the bulk of uh, information there, which I'm very proud of. Um, So that's what I have to say on that. Please check out Higher Balance Institute. Uh, you know, or higherbalance.com and uh, support Higher Balance. Please get uh, and try out uh, Cramp Medic for family, friends, anybody who has leg muscle problems or any kind of muscle problems in particular. It it truly is the best product out there. No foams, no creams. You don't have to run to the bathroom if you're working at the office to put on foams on your leg by pulling on your pants and trying to get to your legs. Uh, no need for tablets. One shot, seven days, phenomenal. If you are interested in acquiring Eric Pepin's books, visit higherbalancebooks.com. 
So, do you guys have any kind of questions for me or anything like that? Or are we just going to sit here and stare at each other? Or what do you want to do? Uh, <laughs> I actually had one that I was thinking about. Okay. Listening to different modules. The hidden key, what are you waiting for in joining the cosmos? Now, the hidden key, you went into uh, structuralization versus fluidity. You were saying that you shouldn't pick a role because it's too much dark side. It kind of threw me a little bit because then um, I think it was Journey into the Cosmos. You mentioned that you should pick a role, specialize, and then you get good with that and move on to the next one and move on to the next one. So maybe maybe semantics, maybe I wasn't understanding what you meant. Well, I like to do a lot of stuff that uh, keeps people guessing, you know. Uh, um, actually, I'm not, you know, I don't know any of the modules that I do. Okay. Um, if you would say hidden key versus, you know, anything else, it means nothing to me. Uh, if you ask me in the context of material, I'm pretty consistent, you know. You know, it's just whatever comes out. But what I need from you is a little bit more in-depth of, of, of exactly what was being discussed so that I can maybe, you know, lighten, uh, put some light into to what you're really asking. Okay, it was just, I got a little bit confused between the two because um, in, I know in the hidden key we're talking about... Um, and Bart, maybe, or Matt, you guys can can refresh me exactly what he's talking about, maybe. You're talking about a series of thoughts that would lead to a, a like a stage of enlightenment, mm -hmm. and then you went on into um, structuralization versus fluidity. So you we want to be fluid, but at the beginning you teach people in a structured manner, and then you want them to move on to become fluid. All right. But then you're saying that we shouldn't choose a role because that's too much structuralization. Mm -hmm. And then I forget what other module was you were talking about. Um, why these guys, they were all sleepers, and you're surprised that they haven't selected a role because um, that's what you would expect. Select a role, become proficient in it, move on to another role, become proficient in it. And after a while, you're pretty much proficient in everything. Mm -hmm. But don't you think that that's not contradictory? You said that I would say to to learn something to a certain degree and then move on to the next thing, learn something and to, to a certain degree. But you're also saying that I said not to take on a, uh, a role. Right. But if you're just taking it on temporarily, wouldn't that be not taking on a role indefinitely? Right. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. Put it that way. Yeah, I think that the, the emphasis was, was in, in, and I'm only kind of trying to guess what, what exactly you're talking about, but uh, it may be as far as taking a role on to develop a certain skill or a certain ability. Mm -hmm. Like, what I, what I don't like is when somebody defines themselves as a healer. That, right. that their whole life, that's what they do. They heal people, mm -hmm. you know? And rather than to say that they are a person who would want to do telepathy or astral projection or to you know, move your mind to explore, and I don't think it's good to, to accept one role. And uh, I think it's excellent to dabble in it, to experiment in it, to to learn it, to develop it, but to, to, to crystallize yourself in a specific place or to say that that's what you only do is to heal. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think that's a, a good uh, way to 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 spiritually grow. I think it's it's to serve humanity. Yes. Okay. That's fine. But I, I think that one has to ask himself, you know, 
is your role to just serve humanity or is your role to grow as a being in this dimension, in this life, to, to utilize this particular space to develop as much as you can before you move back into an energy consciousness or an energy form of body. Um, so I don't see there being a, a contradiction in, in what you're saying. I just think it's a matter of, of how you want to perceive it. Right. I understand so. that. I understand that a little bit better. Um, what else? I'm trying to find the question as soon as it just disappeared off the page. Well, so you should <laughs> better find it. Better find it. Better hunt it down. That's it. I think I wrote down the two you mentioned. Oh. I remember one, but that one I don't even understand fully myself, so I want to ask that one first. What is causal energy? Is one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, uh, can someone complete uh, get your, or, yeah, yourself from the dough or uh, Oh yeah, Matthew answered that question. Huh? What was the second question? Should someone strive to be completely um, pulled? Should someone pull themselves completely out of the matrix? Uh, is that should that be something they should strive for to completely disconnect themselves? Because I was at first I was having a problem. Like I remember in one of the modules you said that one should not completely take it, or they should experience the human experience and be in the nitty gritty and feel the emotions and and have the struggle and the pain because that's part of the reason you're here to experience that. But then in another module, what kind of confused me. Um, was that, I forgot which one it was, but it said that um, one could, or it was, might not even been a module, might have been a teleconference or something, but that one is able to completely pull themselves from the matrix and then from that state be able to um, manipulate or be able to um, kind of change. Well, it sounds like very much similar to what he had just asked yeah, earlier. Exactly. Right. Um, obviously, I stand by the first one to say that you don't want to ever completely remove yourself from the matrix. If you do that, what is the point of even being here? I, I mean, eventually, you're going to pull yourself completely from the matrix anyway. We're all guaranteed we're going to die sooner or later. So the point is, it was an awful lot amount of work to get you here. I mean, other people are just here and they're growing and they're experiencing, okay? But for you to, to be here in this life at this moment, I mean, it was really a choice to come into the matrix to work within this program, into this consciousness, if you will. Um, when I discuss with people the fact about leaving outside of it, it doesn't mean to completely ever leave it. It's, it's, it's knowingly knowing that you're operating from a, a source that would be from this particular physical body. So even if you move yourself outside of the matrix, which would be to move yourself out of this program, okay, you're still anchored here. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're ever 100% off the, the, the map or off the reservation. It means that you have learned to operate temporarily outside of it. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But you're still very much connected to it. To to completely disconnect would, would you know, be completely a disservice to, to being here. So... I don't know if that answers your oh, question does. or not, but no. right. He, he, he basically said the same thing too. Good, good. It's nice to know that they're in line with what I have to say. <laughs> they're not, I have to pull them back in. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, uh, the, the idea is to, to move outside of the matrix is to be able to have more self-realization 
when you can move yourself outside of your, your body. I mean, when your mind expands outside of your, your five senses, you're literally basically moving outside for the most part of the general matrix. I mean, one could say that there is, seeing that we're going to use that, that definition as a, as a kind of context, the word matrix. Uh, I mean, one has to realize that there's many levels of matrices, to say that one is ever completely outside of the matrix, uh, I would say there, that there would be absolute nothingness. I mean, in the end, you're in the mind of God. That is the, the, the grand matrix, if you will. To go outside of that, there is really just nothing. Um, so therefore, there, there is a, an ever-connecting level of, of consciousness. It depends on how deep you go. I would say for someone to have a better reference to understand that, let's say that right now you could say that this reality is your main matrix, but when you dream, that's a, another matrix within it. Okay. That That is a whole other reality that you can smell, taste, hear, relate, have sex, love, hate, everything. Um, and it's very, very real. But yet it has different factors of what you would deem as your law of physics or your reality. Some people might say you're able to fly. Some people may say you, you lick something to taste it, but you don't taste it. You feel it. It feels like fuzz rather than sweetness. Uh, so, the laws of, so the matrix rules are a bit different in that reality. So, uh, but to say that to, to, when one says to take your mind out of the matrix, the, the obvious reference point is to say is this one main reality that we're operating in is to, by going outside of it, sometimes gives us a better perspective to see what it is we're, we're, we're part of. And to be able to, to step outside of it and to look at it gives us greater tools to operate inside of it. When we function inside of something, we just function. Yeah. We exist. We don't realize that we have any power to change anything because we can't comprehend. We can't comprehend that there's something, uh, a mechanism behind it all. It's like saying you're part of the watch hands, but you never get outside the watch to see that the whole purpose of it is to tell time. Uh, but once you go inside of, outside of that and you understand that the whole purpose is to, to control time or to, to keep a measure of time, one can go back into the gears and understand the whole relation to why everything is doing what it's doing. To understand why there might be a smaller wheel versus a larger wheel, why there's a coil winding up and what the purpose of that coil is. And of course, whether or not you would want to tamper with those things, you could actually manipulate time if you then understood the purpose of everything around you. You could say, well, I'm going to slow the, the clock down by loosening up the winding coil. Well, at one time, you never even knew that the winding coil was a winding coil. It simply was just something that was spanning around you in a circular motion. Could have been a park for all you could have been concerned about. Could have been a running track. Could have been anything until you were able to step outside of it. So it's to say that when one steps outside of this matrix and is able to, to perceive it, and when I say perceive, that's a bit of a stretch also, but to conceive, to comprehend even a small part of it, 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 it brings you to a state of consciousness that you have a knowing, and that knowing is a level of enlightenment. It's a, it's a deeper understanding that separates you from everybody else who simply functions. Everybody else becomes the wheels. Everybody else are the clock hands. Everybody else are the fabric of that makes up the track that they didn't know was actually the coil that they kept the time process. But you're able to, again, perceive it differently, which means your interaction 
becomes completely different. Your your purpose, you're you're no longer part of the mechanism. If you can understand the mechanism, you you are in a duality where you're part of it, but you're not part of it. You can choose to function separately because you no longer are being moved to do something in a process or your purpose is to be that wheel. You now realize you're the wheel and you can accordingly stop doing what you're doing simply because you have a self-realization. Oh, that makes sense to So one should kind of insulate themselves with energy and knowledge instead of isolate themselves completely from the world. Well, if, if you, yes, but again, to benefit everybody else, if you begin to see yourself completely outside, okay, then what can happen is, is that it's just like your body. When your body has a virus or a bacteria, like a pimple, it begins to push it out, okay? So will, will this dimension, so will Gaia. So will it, it no longer sees you as being a part of it. And therefore, you can say that one can go into schizophrenic levels or one could go into mental depression. One could, could have a chaotic level to their life because you no longer can, can understand your purpose. And that becomes a madness. And many white cells are prone to doing this in their awakening, you know, their enlightenment cycle per se. They start to see reality as being something very separate. It usually starts off with your relationship on a sociological level. You start to look at other people and you find it very hard to, to coexist with them, to intellectually uh, find a, a level of agreement or whatever. You begin then from there to start seeing the mechanism. You see them as, as herds of motions, uh, you know, all doing their job as a group. You start to see the matrix and segments of, of masses of thought or masses of people doing operations. And you start to see also the mechanism of your their daily operations. It is like a clock. It is a person will, will just whether or not you can count how many things they do. They will go to the bathroom certain times. They will have an argument a certain way. Everything begins to become very predictable like the movements of a watch and once you become intelligent enough and you can step out of that and you can see all these mechanisms moving it's just a very grand clock okay one can create a self insanity because one begins to say then where is the sense of reality where is there something that isn't measured and weighed and, and predictable and one starts to to say that if everything is predictable what is the meaning of life what is the meaning of the ex of existence and the idea is is that you know that there are all these mechanisms and the idea is that you know, eventually, if you can be observant enough, there are creations within it also. There are moments of, of pure creationism, uh, something that wasn't predictable, something that couldn't be timed, something that, that came of it. And those are the, the moments that God looks for. That's the moments that the universe looks for. And so there are revelations. But the problem is, is that a, a, a person who's going through enlightenment cycles may miss that. And they have to focus on that in order to, to bring themselves to want to be here. And so uh, there is a, a kind of madness uh, and separation. If you're, if you're not careful, everything becomes very predictable. When, when I was a red cell, it seemed to me my life was a result of the activities I did before, yeah. randomly. Yes. 
Now that I've become a white self, it seems like I have, I'm more predetermined. So my life's been already set before me. Well, it's, it's, a, it's more that you have the ability to see further ahead that creates that. It's, it's the idea that uh, before your head was kind of tilted down, so you kind of did things, but you didn't really see where, where everything was coming. So everything kind of seemed very random and very happening. Uh, now that you have the foresight or the ability to kind of see distance, it does seem like it has that predictability to it. It does seem because you're, you're doing now what I just said. You're starting to see all the patterns, and then what happens is it can be very depressing. It can be very uh, minimalizing as to there's got to be something more, and there is. Um, the idea is being able to find those things and to operate in them to affect them. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, very good. Actually, you answered it before. Right. You're complimenting me. Yeah. I see. Good. What else? How does one bring their spirituality closer, like not put it on a pedestal? How do you incorporate, what are some ways or techniques or perspectives to bring your spirituality closer, um, make it more simple? I know sometimes I have a problem with separating it or putting it out here and I always make expectations and I'll play the blame game like, oh, it's your fault, I'm not meditating twice a day, things like that. Who's your, me and you? Oh, me, or I blame like people in the army, or my work schedule. Or... But how can you blame them? I don't. I'm, I can't blame them. You can't. No. It's really you. And the the problem is, is that I think everybody's uniquely different. Particularly the four of you guys are all on slightly different levels of your 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 movement per se. And so it would be hard to say specifically one would what I would say to you would apply specifically to them. Okay. But in your particular case, I can see that there's a very strong spiritual. Uh, pull and there's a, a battle inside of you to to remain there and you're, you're getting angry about being pulled out all the time and you're probably contemplating whether or not to try to uh, escape to to find a, a place to to kind of go to escape from from life and you have to be very careful because you you need to find an acceptance an acceptance to this reality and I think it comes down to the terms that you you perceive right now you are seeing it as an enemy you're seeing it just exactly the way you said it you're angry because everything is pulling you out of from where you want to be and you believe that if you could just be where you need to be for long enough that you would have your your final moment of an enlightenment uh, cycle but what you're missing is is that you're already in an enlightenment cycle you're already there and I think you can feel that um, I think for me uh, even for me there are times when it can get very frustrating for me to be here and I just want to escape it and I feel sometimes that the world is just suffocating me and uh, it's at the point now where you could say that the dark side utilizes stuff to weigh on me to pull me out of my spiritual state of consciousness and so it comes up with greater ways to, to, to force it on me because I'm so resilient or I've built up such a resistance to having it pull me into the dough per se um, which isn't good but we're all at different levels okay um, I think that uh, it is the terms that you accept life you have to love life you have to, to look at it differently and I'll, I'll explain how so this dimension is profound it is extraordinary and until you can realize how extraordinary and how unique it is and what it can really offer you, it's going to be a vexation to you, okay? 
And what you have to do is you have to realize it for what it is. In this dimension, we can smell, we can taste, we can see optically the way that we see, we can hear. You can't do these things in an energy format. You have other sensories, but you have to keep in mind you've existed probably hundreds of millions of light years in some form of existence. It's just time is very different. You think, well, why wouldn't I be wiser? Why would Because time is very different, okay? In the sense you're young, but you're old. It depends what, how you want to perceive time, okay? The, my point is, is that you can't smell in that other dimension. There, there's no nasal glance. You can't hear sound in the, in the context that you hear it now. You can't even see this, this structure, how you see things now in an energy format, okay? You can't taste. You wouldn't be able to hug or to touch. Now, it's not to say that there aren't other profound sensories which are equivalent to what these five senses would be as an energy being, okay? But the point is, is that what you take for granted now, okay, for your five senses here, and you're like, well, yeah, but I, I want to go back, okay? When you're back, you're going to go, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> okay? You, you, you will realize that you made a grand error in your, your haste to relieve yourself of this place. Have you... I think sometimes when people come and they visit people like me, and you, you have this, this opportunity to speak with me, you will leave, and then you're going to want to kick yourself. I already know this. Okay. <laughs> and because you're going to say, I was sitting in front of Eric Pepin. He's an enlightened being. And at that moment, I seen him as a man, or I seen him maybe for, for moments, but I just wish I would have done something more. I wish there could have been something said more. I wish there could have been something more. There will always be something more. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. But so will you feel even more regret when you leave this world, that you hadn't spent more time feeling the sand beneath your feet. Had you not spent more time smelling the trees and the branches, had you not spent enough time touching the face of your mother, had you not sat and listened at the coffee table as she was speaking, ranting about her normal daily gripes about life and how much you miss it, only when she is gone will you truly know what you savored. It is that that I have to remind myself of how much I love this world and that I need to savor it as much as I, I long to be somewhere else. I often think of the students that I have in my life and how much I love them and how much joy they bring in my life and how much appreciation and how much passion there is to teach other people in this dimension and to tell them about the other dimension and to awaken them so that they cannot want to escape. I don't want you to escape, but I want you to be more whole. I want you to feel more complete here, more at comfort, doing what you need to do and know that you will return to where it is that you long for soon enough. Uh, it is those things that make me want to slow down, want to, 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 to exist here, and that when I let my mind go too far in the dimensional spaces, that I, I long to be there. But I have to remind myself, you'll be there no matter what. It's going to end. You're going to go back home no matter what. Why not resolve yourself to, to savor the things in this dimension, savor the life, savor the people, savor the things, no matter if they're dark or not. It's, it's funny. Have you ever, 
had an experience in your life that was probably uncomfortable, like maybe a camping trip that you did and you were uncomfortable and it was damp and it was cold, but the whole night you spent laughing with your friends and had a really good time and you missed it and you wish you could go back to that moment, but at the same time you were miserable? Yeah. So will you be miserable in life, but so will you desperately want it again. Hence the reason we always come back again. Mm -hmm. So we reincarnate back here? Not necessarily okay. here, but in this dimension. Okay. So is there any way, because I noticed something I learned really, uh, a really good lesson, to find the difference between things that compare and contrast, it really makes something distinctive to you, like, ah, that's what that is. And then you compare it to something else and you learn the differences. But the analogy that you just gave, which I can see, like intellectually understand, like I'm going to miss this, I'm going to regret this from past experiences of having that before, like, having an experience and I was miserable, but then I loved it and then I, it's over with and I'm like, man, I wish I could go back and do that. But right now I don't really have any memory of any other experience or as far as like senses outside of these five or some six sense experience. So there's nothing really to compare and contrast to make me think like, oh, okay, I need to sit here and enjoy this besides. No, no, it's, it's, you're missing the point. Okay. Okay. The point is, is that while you're trying to, to experience spiritually, okay, don't be in such a rush to push it away is all I'm saying. I'm saying it's okay to want to experience spiritually and to do those things, okay? But don't make it a vexation. Don't make it a bitter thing because it's not really bitter. You're, you're making it more bitter. Do you know that if, if sometimes when... You, sometimes when you win you really lose. And sometimes when you lose, you really win. What I'm saying is, is that the vexations that you, you have in life, instead of seeing them in an angry way, instead of pushing them, pull them closer to you. And when you pull them closer to you, you'll move through them and you'll find exactly what it is that you're trying to get to. Okay. Now, in some strange other dimensional way, it makes sense. <laughs> I, I, let me explain differently. When at any given time I know that I can take an ordinary environment and I can move this place. I can shift it even now at this very moment, shift the energy, the environment and subtly move it gently into a higher dimensional frequency as we all will begin to move into it and feel the shift slowly. Now, I can make it very intense if I wish to, but it, it's not something I would want to do at this moment, okay? The point is, is that I take the moment and I accept it for what it is, and then I move through it. When you go to a haunted place, you can go to a haunted house, and you can have a, an attitude of, I'm here as a realtor, I'm here as a contractor, I'm looking at the old boards, I'm looking at the structure, I'm looking at what we can do with it. And that's all you will ever see. And there can be a million ghosts hopping and jumping and flying through the whole place, but none of it exists for you. If you go there as a spiritualist and you don't see the, the structure of the wood, you don't see the paint and the colors or anything that's not of interest to your consciousness, your interest is to feel the, the frequencies and the dimensions. So is it like a dimming bulb that you tr turn that frequency up and those things become more relevant. Do you understand? Life that you see is frustrating. You must understand that behind every mechanism that affects you, 
there is a reason to what put it there. There's a reason why it is has been laid in front of you. And you can either see it as a as a thing that is affecting you, or you can see it as a thing that there's something inside of it that you must get out of it. It's a, it's all a game. Each each person in your life that's a red cell, in it holds in your confrontation with it or your experience with it, there is something to be gained. Once you accept what it is that you needed to gain and you accept it for what it is and you no longer see it as being a challenge, all of a sudden they will move out of your life. They will dissipate. Next level. Exactly. And it's the same thing with your work, that if you find that the military is, is moving you, you just simply say, where do you want me to go? I'm happy to go. And then once you do that, you'll find that you're sitting on the stone right alongside maybe Don Juan because he happens to live down the road from the place that you got moved to. Or the mechanic guy that you're doing stuff with, all of a sudden you're drilling whatever or doing whatever, and he says, you know, if it wasn't for, for my spiritual, you know, Indian yaki teachings, you know, I wouldn't be able to handle this job. You're going to go, what did you just say? <laughs> you, you have to simply just accept something for what it is. Do not fight the bull by its horns. Let it exhaust itself. Let it run through the cave. Be gentle. Be calm. Be the, the, the weeding breath. Let it, let it kind of move with you. And you're going to get frustrated. You'll forget what you're saying now. Now it all sounds simple until you get into it, okay? And you're going to end up deciding how much you hate it. Try to love it for one week and watch what happens. Watch what, what wonders come from it. Because do you remember what I said? That if I want this place to become more spiritual, I have the ability to do that. Your intent is constantly on the ball. You're constantly looking for enlightenment. You're constantly looking for your way home. You're constantly looking to complete yourself. You're constantly looking for spirituality. You're constantly looking for answers. Look for the answers. It's not that you have to go to some mountain up in Tibet. The answers are sitting right in your office. The answers are sitting right in the people around you. Just see them for what they are, and then, then your intent as you deal with them, whatever pearl there is that you're supposed to find, you will find. But you won't be able to see that pearl because you only can see them for, for the contractor work you need to do, for the, for the lines of the wood, the color of the paint, the structure, the, the bones of the house. Look for the soul in it. Look for the soul, whatever it is in the job. Look for, there's an answer. I, I think that with every job that I ever had, and you can remember, I've done everything from telemarketing to sales to car sales to just like anybody else. But the interesting thing about my life was, is that I never seen my life as an act of doing. I mean, I can't say that. Of course, I was like, fuck, I got to go to this fucking stupid red cell job and deal with, you know, Margaret and her, her donuts and, 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 you know, what she wants to do for paperwork. But I always felt like I was James Bond. I always felt like I was this guy in incognito. And everybody knew there was something very unique about me. And everybody knew there was something there, but I would just re respond back to them like, you know, just a normal person, incognito. But I always found greater mysteries would find me because I always felt that there was a greater mystery to be found. 
you know, it's 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 all in looking for the windows in the house and just waiting for them to show themselves. And that is how I found that I could tolerate working through life was was just accepting that there's going to be something there. I just have to 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 wait for it to be there. And it always did. It always arrived. If I if I look at all of the things in my life, all the students I found, most of them were from work life or from going to some place in a very mundane place, and I would bump into them, and then they would sense me, I would sense them, and then something would happen. But I might have to be there three, four, five months before it happens. The universe doesn't set its clock to you. You set yourself to the universe. But the sooner you set yourself to the universe the faster things will happen. The more you resist it, the longer it will take. So the slower you go, the faster you go. Today we're out in the woods by Red Salmon River, uh-huh. and we're meditating by ourselves, pretty much. Uh-huh. And uh, it seemed like I slowed time down. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And, uh, and I was thinking, the only way I could do that if I... My energy was moving faster. Uh-huh. Well, it is correct, but you're by the river also. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two ways to, to do that. I, I often, in fact, time quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, either I'll speed it up or slow it down, or even during these sessions, if we go into a deeper state of conversation, you'll find that time's just going to fly by and you're be like, where did it all go? Uh, you know, um, your state of mind is always the first one. Slow your mind, the time will go faster, or you will actually go faster than time. The slower you go, the faster you move. That's why I asked that question. Right, and, and I responded. But I, I think that what you don't want to miss is um, is the fact that you brought up the river. Um, the river represents movement to your tagging hunt. If you think about time, you'll see it as a river. Okay, it's almost synonymous in your consciousness without thinking about it. So when you meditate and there's this flow of water, water because it's it's clear, mm-hmm. it's transparent, that represents time uh, in, in this kind of unknowing but knowing way. And when you meditate next to it, the flow of it will, right. will naturally affect time without you realizing that's what you're even trying to do. My, my corresponding factor there was the bumps. When I sat down, you were just buzzing all over. Right. But as I was meditating, they slowed down. Right. Right. And it's still the river? The, it's not. Well, let me explain it differently. If you were to meditate in the backyard and there was no water there, but you were to go in your mind and imagine that now that you've recorded mm-hmm. being by the Salmon River, if you try to recreate your feeling of being at the Sandy River while you're in your backyard, the bugs would slow down in your backyard also. Oh, okay. Do you understand? Now, that's a major key I'm giving you guys right now. I don't know if you guys are going to miss the boat on this or not, okay? But by creating the feels like, right. okay, mm-hmm. that is that is the, the key to why you had that experience. Had you not done that and you've done it in your results, the bugs would not have necessarily slowed down for you. Exactly. Okay? And that's why I'm trying to put that connection together for you. So I can do that. Feels like. Feels like. Take, take the environment, what you felt, and bring it into that space. I'll even do one more. And uh, I, the only reason I'm bringing it up because and watch, watch how they're going to go, <gasps> okay? <laughs> You were going to do a ghost hunting thing, you were saying to me, and you guys were like trying to figure out the best places to go. Remember our conversation, okay? Well, and I told you to sit a half hour, okay, in a room. 
Well, what I would say to you even more so, because energy and entities move at higher frequencies, is to take the fields like the Seaman River and create that vibration instead of in the backyard, do it in the haunted space that you're in for the third minute you're sitting there and watch the phenomena come through. I can only imagine. Okay. So, there's a million dollar piece right there if you guys want to work with it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about putting the pieces. I, I keep trying to explain to them sometimes, and this is great because this just puts other stuff together. You know, I don't know what which you know, thing I, I teach it in, but I, I say to you guys, sometimes you got to think about the book falling out over here to make the door open over there. It's never where you think it's going to be. It's always where. So this is what I'm trying to say in a, in a great analogy now that we, we and I said you got to find the recipes, okay? And so it just made me realize by, by using the river is your, is your, your feels like to create for the thing. That's what I'm doing. Do you see what I'm saying? So if you guys go into a haunted place and you create that feels like with the time slowing down, the entities will manifest before you better. Do you understand? Yes. Because your consciousness, you're thinking with an organic brain and you can't move into that frequency, but you can shift your frequency so that they can manifest because you've got to slow your environment down. We went to uh, the pond back here with um, Matthew yesterday Mm -hmm. and we were doing the ripples slowing down Mm -hmm. and I did the same thing with sound. Yep. Well, later on, we came back here to meditate, and I went in my mind to the pond. And yet, I would, even though I recall being there, it's like I'm looking at the water and didn't recognize it was water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't understand the correlation. Well, that could have been biologically in your brain because you're, you're probably affecting different hemispheres. It's the same thing like with a deja vu sometimes. Your brain sees something, but the other part slows down a bit or it skips a beat per se, and it makes you think that you, you hadn't seen it or you've seen it before, before the recognition part of your brain comes in. And because you're going in different states, sometimes the biological brain will start to get a little quirky at times, but it can, can go outside to affect reality also. It's a duality. I like to tell you a story. Last year when I met you, you told me I need to go back to, to my uh, deja vu when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Well, I did. Mm-hmm. And it was a three-hour drive one way. Mm-hmm. And uh, two exits, didn't know which one to take. I chose the second. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving down the road and I recognized the buildings mm-hmm. from 50 years ago. Right. I hadn't been there in 50 years. Right. It took me 20 minutes to find the cottage. Awesome. And you awesome. said I would find it. Yes. Excellent. I just wanted to share that with you. No, that's that's great. I remember that conversation. Yeah. You were going to say something? I was going to ask the technique that you were saying about moving your, or getting that feels like the river or anything else that represents time. Because I actually want to try that because it kind of, I think it makes sense. Well, there's, there's more. you got to figure out the code. It's part of the code. It's a language. Kind of. And you have to internalize it without using words, but you do feel likes and you project them as much as you take them in. So, kind of like what uh, Matthew was showing us with the, we're looking at the ripples on the pond, and he said to feel that, feel that within you, but then inside of yourself, once you get the feels like, to slow it down, to feel the ripples slowing down, and you'll actually, once you internalize it and feel it on the inside, it will change the outside. Yes, it changes the outside because you change your consciousness. What happens in some cases is you're able to slow down the organic brain, and what happens is your hyperdimensional brain takes over. It's not 
dominated by your organic brain. So you kind of almost step out of it. And when you step out of it, you begin to see reality in a different way. It's the same thing about almost walking in between or, or just other anomalous stuff. So. Is that basically what you were trying to explain? That's how you would do something like that if you were to go to a haunted house? If I was going to go to a haunted house and I wanted to, to see phenomena, okay, then what I do is I usually slow time. But for me, I no longer think of the water or the river. To me, it's just the tag, and I just do it. But what, what jarred me, because for me, I have to think, how do I do what I do? That's how I, I find ways to explain it to you guys. And so when he was talking about the water, I was like, oh, that's my tag. That's, that's the perfect tag. So I should mention to them now and tie this all together. So. With, um, with other experiences, like, and I know this, a lot of times you're supposed to, when you have an experience, when it just happens, you're supposed to just surrender into it, let go, and let do whatever it's going to do when you experience whatever you're in. Well, yes and no. Okay. It's a different kind of control. That When I say let it go, I mean let go of it with this. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. But you can control it with that other part of your consciousness. Exactly. Well, what I was wondering is like sometimes I'll be having an experience and then I could tell that there's some battle coming in or automation. But I always wonder how do I, how can I make the experience deeper? Because I know like I, there's something inside of me that tells me I can push this more. I can, there's, there's something I can get more out of it if right. I can just figure out how to. Well, just doing what you just said is the reason why you can't. Uh, it's control. Gotcha. It's all of our problems, even for me, but I mean, I've obviously got past that, but it's, it's our analytical selves. I often say, don't, it's okay to analyze, just do it after, and it's almost impossible for us to do. Because we're, we're just so want to analyze what's going on mentally that that's what is, is using our, our, our consciousness from our brain. Okay, is is we're not letting it go, so you can you can collect the data on a different level. Mm -hmm. I would probably say to you is to get a line of objects or have somebody work with you, and before you go out to do any of these things, and have them show it to you and try to get as high up as you can with your memory. Okay, if you can get up to, uh, well, twenty five is the ideal level. Okay, but that's extreme. Okay, but if you can get up to seven to ten objects without saying what they are in your head and then, then recalling them and saying what they are afterwards, that is an excellent discipline. Then go and experiment on these other levels because it's kind of like learning to do two things at one time. Okay, You might have to struggle. Once you've got it down, you'll find that you can do, do other things Okay. At the same way, without realizing you're doing it. So by fooling your brain into a simple exercise by looking at a bunch of objects without saying what they are in your head, and then jumping over to doing some other larger exercise where you don't, where you want to experience it but without analyzing it, you'll find that that little exercise of shutting the babbler off through looking at animated objects will also teach you to to let your mind get full so you can do deeper levels of other stuff and get the experiences out of it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you could also use something like, because there's a program online that it'll just show you, it's like, a, it's a memory game, whatever, okay. but it'll show you random objects okay. after another and then Perfect. After, yeah. And just don't say what they are in your head, but when it's done, you have to say, it was a camera, there's a cigarette box, it was a comb, a toothbrush, a cotton swab, a pair of jeans, and, but you have to see how far you can go without saying it. As soon as your brain says, it shows you like this, it shows you that, it shows you this, and then you go, jeans, or all oh, that, a pair of jeans two minutes ago, yeah. stop. 
Okay. You're done. Now you got to start all over again so you can get further than that. Could you do the same thing with reading? I've just something I've been thinking about trying to read and, and recognize what I'm reading without saying the words in my mind. Sometimes I can do it, but a lot of times. Yeah, I do it all the time. That's all I do. Oh, okay. So I just let my mind go over it, and I know my deeper subconscious is tracking the words. And so all I have to do is just, just skim over them. But yes, it can be done. Yeah, it was harder. Start off with objects. It's interesting because I was watching, uh, there's a game that I play on my cell phone that I have now, my iPhone. Mm -hmm. And it's a little card thing where you, you, you got to match them. It's a match game. Okay? And so I noticed that it gives you three different ones. It gives you letters behind them. You got to find the two letter B's and two letter C's. And you, you flip, touch them, it flips it over and then puts it back. So you got to find because it only does two at a time. You got to match the two. Okay? I know that when I do numbers, I can do like a shitload of them in a row. Okay? When I do uh, 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 letters, it's a little bit harder. And when I have to do images, like I'll show you two pictures of a heart or some other kind of design or something, it's the hardest. So what that tells me is the numbers you can do much easier because there's a, a more of a familiar level to it. Mm -hmm. So it depends what objects you're going to work with to train yourself also. And then I would always say go with objects more than you go with numbers or, or letters. So I've done it with numbers as well. When I've yeah. um, Sudoku puzzles, when I'm checking them again, I used to just say the number in my mind what it is. Right. But lately I've just been recognizing the symbol. Instead of standing in my head, I can say, shh, shh, shh. Pretty soon I can check them right. really fast. Right, 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 right. Well, the, the big thing is, is that um, those games are all good, but you really need to use real life objects and stuff as the best way. Okay. Um, because there are other sensories that, that kick in. When you're looking at a two-dimensional object on a screen or something like that, your brain sorts it differently. When you look at objects three-dimensionally, it's more personalized and you can hear sometimes a sound from them being picked up or, or there's different three-dimensional turns to it or, or something relates differently. Uh, when you then go into an environment with that training, like let's say a haunted house, or you're, you're doing something else, your your brain's more apt to be disciplined to to deal with those things in, in a three-dimensional sense. Okay. So, um, you also, what I would like to do is I want to develop a, a kit, well, all these things I would love to do. One day when we have a center, uh, I want to have 100 smells. And instead of using the objects, people would have to smell without saying it is. So you'd smell something like pine tree, but you couldn't say what it is. And then a lemon pie, or then you would have something that smells like a, a, a musky room or something. Or, and uh, that's another uh, great uh, sensory tool, because I think there's higher levels of being able to... Back doors, I'm always after back doors in the brain. Mm -hmm. you know? That kind like of goes back to the feels like thing. Uh -huh. Can I help train you in that area? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes, I mean, you got to be careful with feels likes, though, because feels like can really nauseate you after a while. Uh, until you really get good at it, you know, like you can build up a lot of it, it can really throw you for a loop sometimes. Because um, when you start to try to categorize, and then you're doing feels like, there's something weird that happens between the brain fighting and then your, your other intelligence fighting. And it's like, it creates this nauseation in you sometimes. It's like, it's almost, it's like the same thing with sensory overload, just a little different. Yeah, sometimes in the past when I meditated, it used to give me a headache. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
feel like it's psychotherapy. Like I can't say that. I have to wait for them to talk. You <laughs> <laughs> need to say something. <laughs> I'm like, it feels that way too. <laughs> and I was thinking um, that uh, when I was in the bathroom and I was going for the toilet paper because I blew my nose also and stuff, that it, it gave me. Um, I always have back flushes, and I think organically all human beings do. It's how the memory works. That certain textures or certain images can make you have. Um, little flashes of other time periods. So it reminded me back to when I lived at my father's house out in, uh, in the East Coast, and I didn't care for the place, so it was kind of like, ew, bad, bad memory, you know? And um, I was saying to myself, we were discussing early, see how dynamic my brain is? This isn't trying to just me. Anyway. Just about um, nuts. <laughs> um, I was thinking that, uh, you know, we were talking about this moment, and your moment being here with me, and that there should be something that you could do to hold the memory. So that if you were to meditate, you could go back here and then re-go through this whole kind of period with me. There, there's other important values to it because there's more things happening here than even is being said originally, okay? But I was thinking that you guys should mark your memory now. Um, take your shirt. Think, just look at me for starters, okay? Just focus on this moment. And then without taking your eyes off me, take whatever clothing on your shirt and smell it and try to smell it. Keep your eyes on me, remember. And then try to mark what the smell is from your shirt. Try to find it. Hopefully it's a good smell. It doesn't smell too stinky. <laughs> but if you don't do it right, it won't work. Now, when you guys go home a week from now or a month from now, sit down and go to your meditation. Think about this particular moment, this particular state, and smell it. And it will help bring your mind back to this moment and then close your eyes as if you were here. And you'll be able to have another conversation. Right now. You like that part, huh? That's awesome. Anyway, just thought that's something I would share with you guys. So whenever you guys have a memory or a place that you guys really enjoy being or like you want to remember, try and mark it with, with smell. And then you'll be able to bring, bring that moment back into deep meditation. So. So what do we have over here? I mean, I'm having like the phenomena section over here. You guys probably aren't getting any of that, huh? Picking up an energy. I got early when you started pushing. Yeah. I started feeling stuff. Yeah. I'm just checking in on you guys. That's so. all. Okay. Anyway, I have another question about the matrix. Um, you mentioned in the past that it is um it was looser in the past and it's tighter now. I'm just wondering the way we evolving and technology is evolving. Does um does guy give us white cells more room before like pushes the door on us? You know what I mean? I'm not quite sure. I'm I'm thinking about what your first half of your statement was was about that it's tighter now than it was before. Right. I'm assuming before meaning earlier in history. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you're wondering why I would say it's tighter now than it was before? Well, no. Does oh. does guy does I know the technology is advancing out the way we think is advancing. Right. And as white cells, you know, guy wants to keep us down. So does it like give us more flexibility now than it has in the past? I would say it's harder now 
than it was in the past. But in the past, it was just as hard, but for other reasons. Right. In, in this particular case, um, because the collective consciousness has more human beings on it ever than in history, right. okay, that collectively we create a, a stronger collective consciousness. Not just that, but the fact that the data now uh, from one civilization to the other is becoming so intergrained, interwoven. It's like fabrics being tightened into other fabric strings, mm -hmm. making a tighter stitch. Whereas earlier in history, you had less people and less communication from one culture to the other. So the guy of consciousness had a much looser kind of uh, mind. It's kind of like a child's mind. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason why it was harder then was because for the consciousness and easier, it was easier to go into a deeper state of mind because there was less what I call uh, uh, conscious fog, like too much thought in the matrix. Right. Okay. You could go in, but the matrix wasn't as well uh, uh, knitted, so there was less room to expand through. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it was harder to, to permeate into those other frequencies. You had to be really extremely skilled just to find those upper bandwidths within the guy. So it, it has its pros and its cons for, for both. I don't know if that answers your question. Yes, yes. Okay. I always wonder, like, if um, if Gaia gets to experience what we get to experience, like when we sleep and dream, and then also when we die, why wouldn't Gaia promote what we do? Why wouldn't it's like you know, if your cells were getting information for you, which they are, and you were, I don't know, experienced or uh, I'm not exactly sure what your question is. My question is, why is it that Gaia or the Doe pushes what? Like the red cells, I understand they have a purpose and they do what they do. But as white cells, why is Gaia constantly pushing down on us, or the devil pushing down on us? You would think that those experiences would be wanted so that Gaia could grow and evolve herself. Mm -hmm. Gaia does want those things, but if it was to, to get too much of it, then you remember what you said earlier about, about being here but not wanting to be here? So Gaia would be the same way? Gaia would be the same way. Gaia would, would not connect to this dimension. It would turn on itself. Uh, kind of like you wanting to leave your body or I want to leave my right. body sometimes. It'd be like that. Exactly. It needs to want to be here. So it is heavily designed to, to its primary drive is to be in this dimension. So it has the opposite polarity in a sense than what we as white cells have. Do you follow me? So it's more... Would you say that guy? Of course, it's more towards automation than awareness. Or yes, it is. It is unfolding in this dimension, and God needs it to want to be here to keep it unfolding. But it has to unfold. It is still progressing. Do you see what I'm saying? So it does have that element because it is constantly changing. It is constantly evolving. But it doesn't want it to evolve outside of higher dimension yet. It must stay here long enough to collect data and then convert it into energy, which is trillions of years into the future, okay? And bring all of the, the, the deeper reapings of this data with it back into energy. It would be too fast too soon. Gosh. Okay. Brilliant shit. <laughs> also, too, is is the Earth itself, or is I mean, there's more of us here, or there's other uh, plants or whatever uh, that has also enlightened beings like us on them too. 
and all worlds have beings like white cells on it. We are, are scattered throughout the universe without a doubt. You could say that if the Gaia mind is moving in an evolutionary process, okay, that we are almost seated here to help guide it, to move it towards that, that future of becoming energy. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That if we weren't here, that it could, could almost turn on itself and consume and solidify into to what I call the dark side then. Do you understand? Okay. So you cannot look at it, you have to look at it like a bowling ball, and every inch is a, is a, is a trillion years, okay? And so you take the bowling ball and you roll it, but in this particular case, you don't want the bowling ball to go straight down the middle. In this particular case, you want it to move from one end and slowly move to the other, but without going off the edge too soon, okay? So it's like to say there's three pins at the end that we need to get, okay? So we've already got the first majority, but we want to get those last three. So we take the bowling ball and we throw it, okay, and it rolls down, but we need it to slowly, but not too quickly, start weaning over to the right to get the last three. That is what's happening. We are like little specks in the bowling ball. And we are trying to maneuver time as the distance it's rolling, okay? And we're ever so much trying to move it to, to the right slowly, okay? If we weren't on it, it would simply go straight and drop right off, okay? So you have to see the history of the bowling ball moving through time. And that is what white cells are trying to do. We're trying to cultivate it in the direction we want it to progress to, life. All worlds, all throughout the universe, is the same thing. It's just a bigger bowling ball. So in other words, God's using us to be able to do that. Exactly. To exactly. We are actually God. We we are the fingertips. Are your fingertips you or are your fingertips cells working for you? Your fingertips are cells working for you. <laughs> reaching out. We are in essence all fingertips of God throughout the universe. So we are we are cells, cells are independent, but they are willing and totally dedicated to do your will. Do you see? Mm -hmm. And in essence, everything else is is just living cells, you know, kind of existing, but we're the ones kind of helping them move in the right direction. Okay. Or wanting to help them anyway. Does yeah, that make sense? Right. And so to even humankind to help guide it. Yes, yeah, so we are here in this world and all worlds throughout the universe. And some worlds don't care for white cells because the dark side is much more powerful, or it's harder for us to integrate depending on what the actual elements of that dimension or that particular life forces on that planet, how society is developed. It has to do with each alien species and what their capabilities are biologically and biochemically. Mm -hmm. So what will happen eventually with those worlds? We some of them are lost, some of them are gained, and some of them accelerate rapidly. Depends where they are, what advantages there are, how life develops there, and, and how we can integrate our consciousness to help affect or seed that particular dimension, or that particular world, I should say. So what do you think um, Earth is compared to, like, I'm sure there are got lighter worlds here, darker worlds here, but Earth be like kind of in the middle. It's a little bit above medium. 
okay. little bit above medium, I would say. Yeah, it's been a challenge at times. <laughs> because of red cells or not enough white cells? Well, you don't want too many white cells, but you don't want you don't want to have, of course, too many red cells if there aren't really any white cells. But um, on the planet, there is consistently always a matter of, of white cells, but it's a matter of the white cells actually being conscious or coming to consciousness to have an effect. And in other times in history, there's just only been a few rather than there being enough. And it's constantly struggled to get enough of them awoken. Um, in this particular time in history, uh, there's quite a number of them awoken. But the problem is, is now it's, it's also uh, almost equal to what it was earlier in history because the density of consciousness is so strong, you need more of them to affect it. Do you follow me? Yeah. So at this point now, it's a matter of not looking so much now at quantity. It's more about looking at the quality of them. Like, as you've been speaking today, I've been just keep thinking about the evolution of, of the psyche, of the people's psyche, the white selves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what happens, like, if, if we win this thing, you know, 2012 coming up, we... Well, 2012 is not well, a finish it. marker. It's not a checker flag done. Right. It, it's all 2012, in my opinion, is, is, is a grand marker of... You know what it is? It's whether or not we're going to go into fifth gear or we're going to go into third gear. Okay. Does that make sense? It's like uh -huh. a car. Mm -hmm. I was thinking more of like a, not a checker flag, but a checkpoint. Yeah. You're running a, a race and you gotta go through this checkpoint. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think of it more as either we're gonna end up downshifting or we're gonna upshift. And we wanna upshift. Mm -hmm. So. And you'll feel it. You'll feel it in your consciousness. And if we downshift, none of us are going to be very happy about it. And if we upshift, we're going to be very happy about it. Even the Red Sox won't be happy with the downshift? Well, they they won't necessarily be able to fully acknowledge it, but we'll be able to see it. And we're going to be like, okay, well, this is what we got to deal and cope with now, and we'll adjust. It'll be uh, unfortunate. I'm glad we'll be able to adjust. That's, yeah. I'm glad we'll be able to do that. So I would imagine it'd be a whole lot, if we do shift in the fifth gear, it'd be a whole lot easier to come out from underground. Like, we, I think we're pretty much... How do you feel when you're in a car? Ever, everybody here raise your hand if you've driven a stick shift. I have. You've never driven a stick shift? Uh, a motorcycle count? Because that's... Curious. Yeah, that'll count. Well, I used to drive a motorcycle, okay. Well, I don't know how... You can try to think of it in terms of, of a car. You can probably feel the gears as they're going. Right, exactly. But let's say you guys are... We're all driving now in fourth gear. Okay. What happens when you're on the highway and you go into fifth gear? You go faster. Mm -hmm. How does it feel? Exhilarating. Mm -hmm. It feels smoother, doesn't it? It feels like something just was released because it's less energy, it's more flow, and it's kind of just taking a minimal amount of energy and getting you to glide like you're moving like through space. Mm -hmm. Like right. it's just instead of it's like you know, it's just a lighter level. And what happens if you mistake and you put it into third? <laughs> yes, it's like you can feel the weight, right? You can feel the density, and there's like 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 tension. That's what you're going to internally feel. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're going to feel a tension, or you're going to feel an alleviation now, in your in your navigation. If you're more your enlightened than yourself in 2012, we happen to go in there. Yeah. The wrong gear. Yeah. Is that going to affect you more than will us? It'll probably affect me greatly. Yeah. But then I'll just leave. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. What, what gear would you say we're in now? 
comparing to going down to We're in fourth. We're in fourth. Okay. Yeah. So you're yeah, talking it's, about... It's, it's taken a long time for um, civilization to get to this fourth gear. Yeah. So you're talking about a 20% increase in, in tone, if you look at it that way. Yeah, it's significant. Okay. Yeah, that's 20% is it's yeah. huge. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, it's very interesting because, you know, you could look at it in, in different ways. Um, you know, let's forget about what's happening, you know, in the solar system, okay? Let's just deal with the collective human consciousness and the aspect of it, okay? Um... So you know we did a boo-boo talking about time earlier. Yeah. Look at the clock. That's wrong though. I know it's broken, I'm just realizing it. So, but you know, what time is it now? Um, 3.15, for 3.20. So why don't we put a new battery in that clock? How am I going to know where to wrap it just, up? It's, uh, it's a cheap piece of shit. I guess the springs are, are messed up because then it'll... Well, it's just like the planet, then. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just looking at it and going, you know, I wonder, did we jack that up now? Because I was trying to figure out the time here. Okay. Um, well, that's why I take off all my jewelry, you know? I'm always jacking up everything. Yeah. Um, so that probably got jacked up at a different occasion here. Who knows? Anyhow, so where were we? We were talking about consciousness and... I'm sorry? Human consciousness. Human consciousness, okay. And the human consciousness, how it's affecting the rest of the planet. Just the fact that the vast majority of the world is aware of, I mean, how many things does everybody else in the world know? Do you see what I'm saying? Collectively. How many things are we all on the same page on? Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Maybe 9-11 was something that affected the global consciousness significantly, that everybody was thinking about the same thing pretty much at the same time. Right. Okay. How many things happened that way? Very few. Okay. Maybe the Olympics up to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. Okay. But how many things have an undertone of a certain expectation about how it's going to affect the world? Uh, like kind of like Y2K? Yes. Okay, but Y2K wasn't even as worldly spread. It was more something we were concerned about in the civilized part of the world. Okay? I shouldn't even say civilized. That's actually very bad, 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 bad. I should say the more Technologic. uh, technologically advanced, yes. Okay. So what I'm saying is, is that when we look at 2012, everybody in the world, the vast majority, maybe not everybody, but the vast majority of it now are like a ticker talk clock feeling this expectation we're closing into building an expectation towards it do you follow me mm -hmm. yeah, and it, there's many people expecting devastation mm -hmm. and the ending of the world other people are saying there's going to be nothing but the one thing all collectively we can't say is we all know something is going to happen or we're feeling like it's going to happen just that state alone has an effect on the human brain if you have stress in your life all the time, it releases a certain chemical in your body, and your body accommodates to that. If you have joy constantly in your body, you have a, your body will adjust its consciousness or how it copes, okay, based upon what you're feeling in your head or what you're thinking. Do you follow me? Mm -hmm. So it has an anxiety as to what's going to happen. 
that anxiety, I suspect, is going to go into a negative format or it's going to go into a positive, depending on what's going to happen then. So would you say, though, that the human consciousness, like, for instance, if you put out the word or made commercials or whatever, that to kind of better put a positive or productive um, mindset into the human consciousness to make it a, a better thing, do you think that would affect what, what the outcome would be instead of, like, say, if somebody put it out that it's going to be doomsday, everything's going to, the world's going to end, blah, 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 then more people started thinking that, and then that kind of, the consciousness of the, the overall consciousness. Well, let's put it this way. It's, it's a yes to that, by the way. Um, I think at this point there is a struggle to, I wouldn't say control, but to, there's a struggle as to who's going to manipulate the direction of consciousness for the planet right now. And as we're approaching 2012, that battle for effect is getting stronger. Uh, one other question hmm. by that, because I know a lot of people, they're like, uh, whatever, it's nothing, it's just some hoax, whatever. That's fine. That's that would be better than the negative. It doesn't matter. They're still thinking about it. Well, they're thinking about it, but is that that's kind of like a neutral? Well, it doesn't like, matter. Their attitude can be affected. Um, they're the ones we're looking for. Gotcha. Yeah. Their mind is already thinking about it. The fact that they're thinking about it creates a doorway. Okay. If there's no door, you can't get in. So it depends whether people are thinking about it, and if they're thinking about it, you can think about it too, and then you can move yourself through that doorway with them. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. If they don't think about it, there is no door, there's no way to affect them. Or it's harder to affect them at least. Unless you influence to create that door somehow. Somewhere. You have to present the idea for them to start thinking about it, ponder on it, to contemplate it. Is that part of the reasons for coming with the idea for the schools to try to get it out there? Well, it would, it, the schools would be able to train people better. If we if we could create schools, we could take you guys and take the caliber that you guys are at and for less money, uh, better access for you guys, better training, because then we can create things for you guys to help permeate your, your consciousness better. We can demo stuff for you. We can build stuff together. We can uh, have you go from one classroom to the next classroom, just like a curriculum, and just really, really, really work you guys to the core. What we're able to do here is just a small group of you guys, and every week we, we try to cover a different topic, but it's never one group of people. If you guys could go there, you could follow it like a course. Exactly. Do you see that? Now, we try to do that through the modules, and we do a fairly good job, I think, but there's no substitute. I mean, is there anything better than what you guys been getting hands on? No, no, no. no way. There's no substitute. It's worth every penny. Right. So if we could set up a place where we could refine those classics for a specific subject, do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or let's say we could we could have a, a, a building on the property. I could take a small little building on the property and make that into a haunted environment. Uh, I mean, I mean, I can create the portals in there, and then have each person go in there for training, and they would get hands-on experience directly in that environment. Do right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Oh. Or I could create a room that's going to enhance you guys for mental projection, and, and set it up so that there's tonature frequencies in the room that are going to harm. Once you've got it down, you can recreate it anywhere. But the idea is to be able to concentrate that training. Right, exactly. You, know? you, you don't think we're operating on the precept that it's too little too late. I don't think it's ever too little too late. I'll be very honest with you. I'm, I'm fairly satisfied where we're at. But if I settle for that satisfaction, then we will lose. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So I can never settle. I think 
I think that, uh, you know, I can only look at my work. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I think that the, the stuff that I teach is the highest caliber of teaching out there. The fact that five years ago I was only able to reach maybe 100 people, let's say, and now I've, I'm able to reach thousands, if not tens of thousands, and hopefully in the next few years, reach hundreds of thousands, okay? Uh, I, I am very satisfied in the, because the, we are still a minority, okay? We're very small, right. but I am very excited on the fact versus quality versus quantity. That's right. what I'm after. Okay. I think a magnetic field Oh, I was going to say, I think that magnetic field would help in that regard as well, because I would imagine that people who are health conscious, not even interested in what we do, will get that and eventually they might start thinking, wow, if they come up with this, what else do they have? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right on. That's good. You were going to say something? I was just going to ask about, so the direction of HBI, as far as uh, organization, I since you're the, the founder, what, if you don't mind telling me or telling us, what is the direction that you see as far as an organization? I know you have, you're setting up the houses, but you never want it to become something like, and I, no, like Scientology or something like, not right, to say, sure, sure. Yeah, or, or like any type of, where we have, I'm just trying to get like what, what your ideal is or what, what you're trying to get it to be. Well, I, I think that you always have to accept the fact that um, there is going to be this level of it becoming a religion. It has to be. Uh, I mean, you get to define it as something. What are we going to define it as? The real question is, is that you know, are you know, are we a cult? Are we a following? Are we a religion? Are we? I think a, I think a religion is a cult. I think a cult is a religion. I think a philosophy is a religion. Yeah. A religion is a philosophy. I think they're all interconnected. I think that it, what it comes down to is, is what do we do with what? How are we reacting with the world? Are we becoming? Uh, uh, an isolated group of people that no longer can relate to the outside world or can we relate to the outside world and share what we have as a sense of mentoring the rest of the world and that to me is the defining part of whatever it is that we become is, is what will we contribute to society what will we be able to to offer others and my hope is, is that we simply just continue to teach we continue to look, look for the future white cells and, and help heal the world in the sense of vibration and frequency and consciousness and that we do take on the concept of looking at politics to a certain degree that we do look on to the politics of how they affect the ecosystem of the world that we are able to contribute on some level on in that arena um, that's how I look at it um, you know, are we a religion? I think we're a philosophy, we're a religion. If you want to call us a cult, then we're a cult, okay? Uh, I don't like the idea of the negative connotations, and I think we would feel every cult test that's out there, okay? Uh, I don't see me as being a person that you guys worship. I, I say to you guys, you can do as I can do, you can do greater. I try to teach you that. I teach you guys free will, free independence. I, it's always about the force. I always say that. I don't see you guys saying, you know, praying to me. I I don't want that. I don't say make a homage to me at all. But I am the hub of the information at this point. Um, I think just no matter how anybody wants to perceive it, if they want to perceive it in a negative, they're going to see it in a negative. And if they want to see it in a positive, they'll see it in a positive. Or I just asked that too, is because mm -hmm. I noticed like if you wanted to, well, I guess, teach people about higher balance, and they, if they're like more red cellish, 
or if we were to, if it was to become something more of an organization that was put out there, a lot of the, like, if just looking at the modules, the, 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 like, the products like telepathy or ash projection, most people look at that like, what are you into? This, like, nonsense craziness. So that's why I was wondering if we were ever to become a much larger population or, or, mm -hmm. or to grow like that. How would how would it exist within the world? Because most of the things we do would be looked upon as nonsense. Well, I don't think it's nonsense. I mean, if you look at most religions, I mean, Christianity has a seven-headed dragon coming out of the ocean. Yeah. I wouldn't be set my my holding my breath for that. Okay, uh, or the fact that they're waiting for the second coming. Yeah. You know, well, the, there's been thousands of generations of people thinking they're going to see it in their life who have lived, paid thousands of millions of dollars of what they add to the church, thinking that they're going to see the second coming, and it comes and it goes. Yeah. Um, you know, they're going to be waiting in a long time. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I, I think that um, the fact that I say to, to people spiritually, there's, there's spiritual groups that say, Lock yourself up from society. Go to a monastery. Go to a cave. Go to whatever. Extract yourself from the world and find God and live in, in solace. I don't believe in that. What makes us much more healthier than all the religions and all the philosophies is I say interreact with life. Enjoy life to the fullest. That this is why you're here. That you need to. But don't forget your spirituality. Be one with the universe. But be one with, with this beautiful world we're in to experience it fully. So we are accepting of a red cell world, but we're also explorers. There's a thirst for us to, to say that there's more to this world than, than what we see. Why should we accept it just on a limited level that to us is just a bigger palette of life? You know, some people live their life in one town. Some people live their life traveling the world. I would say that instead of traveling the world, we want to travel the universe, but we're still part of this world. It's just how, how much can your mind perceive? So if they want to look at it as being, you know, um, unrealistic or, or, or whatever, well, we still work a job, we still have a home, we still have family, we still have love, but we're also complete in our souls that there's this deeper satisfaction in our relationship to what we perceive as life. And it's just a richer definition of it. And I think in the end, what, what matters is are we finding inner peace? Are we finding inner bliss? And the day that we die, do we feel as if there's a comfort in us knowing that we are moving to something much grander rather than saying, well, my fucking life was worth shit and I didn't do anything with it and I didn't prepare for nothing. Uh, I'll take my, my boat over any other boat. So it's a matter of, of who perceives what that value is. I would say, you know, to someone judging that, that value, should point out who it is. And I'd say, well, you spend too much time eating food, sitting around the house, making dresses, and, and you know, getting your nose into other people's lives instead of living your own. Mm -hmm. Or the person who's usually the most judgmental are the ones who are always reading other people's books. Well, instead of reading other people's books, why don't you write the book and live your own adventure? And let them read about it. Why do you always have to? You're not living life. You're living life through somebody else's adventures. I'm on an adventure. That's the difference with my life. The fact that you guys have traveled out here to meet somebody like me means that you are pursuing your own adventure. You will have your own inner reflections, and you'll say, I met Eric Pepin once. I sat down with him. I got to speak with this gentleman, and, and these are the things I got out of it. And these are the other things I did in my life, and these are the reasons why I did it. And when I look at them all, I'm a richer being for those experiences that I sought out. The great logic you say. That's the bottom line. 
So, in a more realistic level, I think 2012 is a big marker mentally for everybody. And some people would say, well, what is your, your game plan? I would say this. My game plan is this, is to awaken as many white cells as I can. To teach them and inform them and educate them and develop their sensory and their skills. Quality over quantity, ideally. Have those people direct and contribute to moving into fifth gear by 2012 to, to affect the consciousness and contribute with their skills and their ability as I help bring them up to that skill level to affect and contribute to the consciousness moving in the right direction for the universe and to, to move it into a positive direction. Once 2012 has passed, and my ideal goal is, is to continue maintaining and moving into fifth gear, but more so to look at people more on an individual level and to have them reach and attain levels of becoming uh, higher conscious beings, to become more fulfilled on an individual basis to attain enlightenment to have them be beings that are enlightened on this planet and walking on this planet uh, is my continued goal. So instead of a of just fixating at the moment towards 2012 as, a, as us as a collective, to then work on each person to define a, a blissful state in relationship with the universe, with God. So what you're asking is an extenuation of the evolution. Yes, to extend it, to fulfill it, to mm -hmm. move it, and to progress it, absolutely. What's the purpose of that? I, I, I'm just beginning to, to understand it a little bit, so I just don't know what the purpose, why the evolution part. Well, in, in what manner? Before, after, what, what do you mean? Um, what, what's the, I guess I, I'm putting a label on it, what's the end result? What is the end result? Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking, I'm thinking evolution as more white cells, higher um, psychic abilities, powers, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Everyone's trying, not everyone, but most people are trying to mm -hmm. evolve into that sure, direction. Sure. And it's taken eons, not right. just sure. a lifetime. lifetime. Yeah. It's taken yeah. eons yeah. to get to point sure. where we're at. Yes. What's, what's beyond? What, what, is there an end? No. Well, there is and there isn't. It depends what you consider an end. I consider it an end of the chapter. Right. Uh, okay. We are all collectively part of God's consciousness. Mm -hmm. And as I've written in the Handbook of the Navigator, as I've taught and everything else, I don't know if you've read the Handbook of the Navigator or not, but uh, the point is, is that God is, is trying to explore within itself. God is trying to have a, a great... And there are mysteries that God does not even know himself. This is the reason to create life. Is is why create life if one knows everything already? It, it is to define and to learn new things. I mean, what else is there left to do? I think the human race, as all species in the universe, and I believe they will find this when we, when we start interacting with other species, that it's not just human beings that have a drive to explore, to learn. Without the desire to learn and to explore, there is no more purpose for us to move forward. Even plant life. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because when I did the dimensional walk just last mm -hmm. night, I had the feeling that the trees were aware that we were there. Yeah. Once I gave them thanks for allowing yeah. me to share time with them, yeah. it's like, we're not just aware of you here, right. but we accept you being here. Right. Right. So I think that there's a constant battle between progressively moving with evolution and de-evolution. And what I mean by de-evolution, I think, is, is death. To me, it's stagnant water. It becomes poison. I think that there is a certain thing in red cells that they just get this, this, this sedentary kind of opinion that nothing needs to change anymore. Keep it all the same. Let's just be. 
and that means no more progression. What is the purpose of it all then? If you if you you're just knowing what you know and not wanting to continue to grow or to to change, what is the meaning of love then? You know, coming from a religious background, my cat just and seeing that uh, what religion is taught and everything, it's not, it's not really the truth, even as Christ set out to preach and like that. Nowhere yeah. close to the church has gone exactly the opposite direction. Right. And uh, against the Christian teachings and what have you. Yeah. Yeah. And also, too, the going through the fear, I mean, of what, coming up and like that and just having that drive, you know, just but yet also, like God showed me, have to uh, trust in me, mm-hmm. look at me, and trust in me to be able right. to make it through it. Right. Like the Bible said, you know, uh, teaching that when you get raptured out of here, but what I see in the Bible, that uh, in the same area in Revelation, there's one word mm-hmm. that's only used in Daniel where God took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fiery furnace. We'll be carried through the trials mm-hmm. and the tribulations. Mm-hmm. And also becoming, and like this group especially, becoming the manifested sons of God. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. the powers like that, we have doing everything Christ did. Right. And even the Bible said we'll become sons of God. Well, we won't become sons of gods unless we get off our asses and, and progress ourselves. <laughs> uh, I, I have certain frustrations with religion because I think religion is a very dangerous thing for civilization at times because uh, often it, it, it actually uh, prevents progression. Mm-hmm. Um, they start to just follow a pattern of life and they're told this is how you do things, this is the way it is, and there's no more room for growth and any growth there is is very minimalized. And, mm-hmm. and when I look at cultures like the Shakers and, and different things, these are all religious disappointed. I think they're they're beautiful. We admire them to a certain degree. But could you imagine all civilization being told that you're not supposed to use modern tools, that you're not supposed to invent, you're not supposed to progress? If they would have put those, that kind of thinking still 200 years before them, then they would be clacking stones and saying, we can't get a horse and carriage then. We can't, we can't build wood chairs to sit in. We can't have a dining table because we're not allowed to use these tools. So at some point, they progress to a certain point. This is all we need to stop here. But it's fear of change. It's fear of change. And that is human nature. We, we were constantly, if a lightning bolt hits a tree and made fire, we ran for our lives before we knew what it was until we adapted and learned to, to utilize it. Uh, I think that religion often prevents people from growing. It, it tells them this is the way you have to do things your God, stay in this thing, do the same thing over and over, don't don't question your life, accept that that's what God wants for you, and it's also a business because there's certain people who benefit from that, and those are the ones who are doing the world traveling and enjoying the riches of it, and the people get smart, they don't share their money so much, they'd like to spend the money on their own travels. So, so, so a question, um, since everything evolves, and so probably we're teaching after you're not here, um, how do you prevent the purity of the teaching while you're evolving? Well, wait a minute. Are you asking me individually as to to it is? Or no, I mean personally. I'm not sure if I understand. For the next the generation that follows higher bounds. Yep. Uh, you know, there's there's always a watering down process. Yeah. But yet there have to be an evolution because there's new generations. Well, in, in inevitably. 
I, I think that um, what will probably happen is, is for the next 500 to 1,000 years, I think that what I'm teaching is that progressed. I think that they're going to see deeper truths in what I'm saying, and they'll have higher revelations. There's a lot of things that I say that probably go over your heads, even used to say. I think that as technology advances, they're going to go, my God, this is what he was talking about, or this is what he meant using these terminologies that he was talking about. And they're going to have a much broader understanding of what I'm, what I'm talking about, about this evolutionary of consciousness. And it's, I've talked about modern technology. I've talked about how it will be used to, to move into consciousness, how, how psychic abilities will actually be manifested through technology. And, and train the brain to, to extend beyond using the technology, such as telepathy and stuff like that. And they're going to use the human brain to, to amplify, just like they're talking about cell phones now through the pineal gland. Okay? So I think that it'll go, by, by a thousand years, um, it, they will have taken that and they will continue to evolve with it. There will always be a level of truth, but there will be greater definitions and a greater level of consciousness to understand, and then they'll hopefully progress beyond that even. So, but to, to keep the quality of it, the advantage we have that we didn't have uh, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, or even 100 years ago, is the recordings, the video, the internet, the access to the data. That is what's going to hold the quality much better. Um, I mean, even to compare to somebody like Gurdjieff, okay, who wasn't that long ago around and taught, uh, there's still a minimal level of his conversations and his direct teachings. He did not have the camera sitting in front of him 24-7 as much. I've already probably compiled much more data than what he had access to compile. Not that he didn't probably teach it, but the amount of data that was being able to be recorded. You know, you can't sit there and argue, well, did Jesus say this or did Jesus say that? Did Buddha say this? Did Buddha say that? Did Krishna say this? Did he say that? So on and so forth. Okay? But one can look at these videotapes and now have a better way of knowing what I said. What is going to, to happen is there's going to be another kind of watering down, and it's going to be the greatest sin of all. And you know what that sin's going to be. It's going to be manipulation of the video and audio oh. to make it look real. The same thing that they're doing now with creating fake UFOs and fake stuff they're going to have the technology to have me look as natural as I look now, but with a completely different message coming from me. Yeah, they can do this. Like, yeah, yeah, they can. Yeah. yeah, they can do it yeah. now. Right. But, but it's still very detectable. Is that the, is that the dough doing that? It will be uh, ego. It will be pride. It will be manipulation. And it will be control. And it will be certain individuals who will want to control other people and they will manipulate and say this is the material that never got out this is the secret stuff that never got out and this is what he really meant and we're the only ones who are going to know about that and he was saying he predicted me in the future meaning some other person is going to be teaching and 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 they'll have me saying oh yeah it's this and this is his, what he looks like and this is his name and he's the one you should follow that yada 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 and, and that's what it will do it will be coming from people who have the time and money to do that well, it won't even take money. I mean, yeah, yeah. even now, most people can do it on their home computers. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Well, the computers and the technology in 10 years alone is going to be phenomenal. And they'll start doing it that soon. Yeah. So what it will come down to is a pedigree. 
and the pedigree is going to have to be guarded over like no one's business. And the pedigree basically is going to show your lineage, and it would be your lineage to me. And then you would be the authority then to look at a video and say, that's not something that the master would have said. It's not something he would have taught or he would have said. And they'll respect you because you can be confirmed to, to show your pedigree through through higher balance or whatever it is at that point. People will be able to go online and say, oh, there's this person or there's that person. You can see that they did learn from Eric. They've met him. They knew him. They learned from these other teachers, yada, yada, yada. And that's what's going to give you guys authentic and that will only be able to last so long, but in the future, there'll be pedigrees long before we're all dead, people that you will end up teaching. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, though, that could possibly be manipulated too. Absolutely. And this is why it will always have to be guarded up to a certain, but there's only so much you can do. But that's why I say in a thousand years, something new will have to, to have come already again. Mm -hmm. Do you see? So, but that 2012 thing, if we go in the fifth gear, will that... I don't think it will make the matrix looser, but will it sort of evolve it so that we'll be able to move a little bit more freely than we are, say, right now in fourth gear? Well, on, on the most simplest level, what's going to happen is if we go into the fourth gear, we're just going to, to have probably another three to five hundred years of, of kind of the same mentality that you're seeing now. I mean, science will always progress to a certain degree, but it's going to be governed over, uh, you know, just squabbles. I mean, where, I mean, look at stem cells, okay? I think everybody in this room would say we should have pursued the stem cell research like crazy yeah. because it would be able to, at this point, by the, the, another five years, the, the amount of research that we, we could have put into it, okay, would mean that everybody in this room could probably live to about 120 years old, okay? Not so much just live, but what a quality of life. I mean, arthritis would be gone. You're, you wouldn't have diabetes. You're, you're, you wouldn't have certain de de degenerative diseases. Would all the middle? You'd feel like you were a 50-year-old at, at 80 or 100. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, because of the the ignorance in the in the thinking and and all of the the suede of fears, okay, um, we've prevented that from happening now. And it's going to take time to build the research up. Research needs time to to build. So. If you think of all the, 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 the hypocrisies, per se, that have happened in the past hundred years, never mind the last thousand years, I mean, we could have been already traveling through space. Um, you know, so, so how people think is, is affecting all of us right now in this room. And, and you know, so it's going to be more of that. It's going to be more of the fear of what I call old world thinking or, or world religion in the sense of being fearful and God-fearful rather than progressive and, and embracing into to science and spirituality. You will feel that there is more of a liberation. Um, you know, of course, always with a respect of life. You can ask a question? Yeah, so going back to human consciousness and how it evolves and grows and how some people manipulate it to look certain ways, it seems like in this day and age that most human consciousness, the, the mainstream or the main people, are basically all manipulated or thought or, or told to think one certain way and they just go about their daily lives doing whatever and that little bit of consciousness pushes to whatever these certain people in power 
want to be done. Like it seems like everybody's focused. If they're not focused on their eating, sleeping, fucking like, working, it seems like everything lately has been about war or the economy. Or well, that's that. It depends on who's in charge, and and no matter what, the human race is a very collective uh, thing. We're we're becoming more globally collective now rather than nationally collective. Before you would have China with their walls up and they would have their own collective and they wouldn't even let any outside source. Europeans had their own collective way of thinking. So did Americans. As technology has evolved and the internet has evolved, the older people now are falling out of the trained way of their thinking and they're, they're less in power now. Uh, the younger generations and even generations now younger than me, I mean, are, are talking on the internet every day to friends in China and Australia. I mean, everybody's talking to everybody. I mean, you've got from Africa to, to Alaska. I mean, so what's happening is everybody's starting to speak one language. We're all starting to speak English or, or, or whatever. So it's becoming a wash. Even culturally, it's all becoming a wash. Okay. Now, this is both disappointing because we want to keep the, the creativeness of nationality, but in the same token, I'm all for it. Okay. Because what's happening is it removes fear. And when you remove fear, that's what it's, it's like. What are those Chinese bastards doing? You know, what are they thinking? They want to kill us all. You know, what? Is, hey, no, 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 no. Oh, uh, he says he's going to kill us all. And he's saying, oh, I love that American, you know, hamburgers. Okay, and if he would have said that, we would our whole feeling would be different. Okay, it's the, the under, not lack of understanding of what culturally they do in their home or what they're eating, and we're like, oh, they're savages, they're killers, and and you know, if we were around them, all of a sudden we we begin to laugh with them and we know their first name and we're hanging out with them and we're marrying them and there's no more fear well it's no different it's progressing and we're getting better okay but we have to remove the old people can't change once you hit 30 there's a solidifying in how you perceive and you, you kind of state it and as you grow older you can change somewhat some of very few people be still remain flexible in their thinking it's very hard to go from one you're either religious you can spend another 40 years breaking out of that religious mantra in your head you know and, and starting to think differently and then all of a sudden you say the first time i'm really alive right i never thought about all these things before okay thank god that they're they're experiencing that okay and we are crystallizing already we just don't see it. And so we have to make sure that we don't get to the point where we can't be bending and, and lose our flexibility mentally no more. I do have one question about the... Um, Can you guys hand me that drink over there? The handbook of the navigator. I know you say like when you teach, you have um, your, your words are alive. Yeah. How, how did you manage to do that for the uh, book? Seems like it has pretty much the same effect as yeah. sitting in front of you listening to you. It's pretty crazy. Um, well, you know, let me ask a question. When you read the book the first time, had you ever heard my voice before? Um, the foundation set. Okay. Because you were exposed to the foundation set, you got another texture of my communication. So when you read the book, you could hear my voice. Do you understand? Yes. If you didn't have that exposure, you would have read the book, but you would have put it in a different voice other than mine. It wouldn't have been your voice, but you know you would have put a voice to it, and therefore you would have gotten one level of texture or data from it. Now that you've met me in person or you see video, okay, when you read the book, you'll get three levels of texture. Do you understand? Yes. And that three is the magic number, of course. So you'll hear things being said in the book, and you'll see me throwing my hands around, raising my voice, yada yada yada. And you get that communication also. So it's, it's about decoding. Um, I think that with the book, um, the, the book, even if you've never met me, there is 
conscious thought in the Gaia mind. Do you see what I'm saying? And you tap it. You, you, if, you, if the right string of thoughts are presented, it is like a code. And if you create the code, all of a sudden the effect happens. So if you start reading it and you decoding it, it's like building it in your, your brain a certain frequency, a harmonic, like setting up a satellite dish. All of a sudden you start to get the rest of the data to tap the guy in mind, whether you realize you're doing it or not. And so when you're reading it, it, it unfolds in your mind. And that was the, the hope of, of doing the handbook of the navigator was to create that effect. So the real question is, is how many people have you turned on to reading the handbook of the navigator? Right, exactly. That's that's a real question because I think nobody deserves to be sitting in front of me unless they've turned at least ten people on to reading that book. So it's another way to help people. It's it's because it's a very I think it's a very provocative thinking for a book. I think that if you if you will give it a chance, it really gives you a different perspective on things. A lot of lot of information, especially in my earlier days that I got from you, I didn't get anything out of. And my perception of that is I was only getting part of the data. Yes. I didn't understand the other part. Right. So I was frustrated. Right. But then you also refer to yourself as a red cell who came who became a white cell, and I would agree with that. The real question is is why did you keep going with it? Why not stop if you weren't really getting that much out of it? Uh, I could go in different directions with that, but I'm gonna go to my childhood where I had psychic so you knew there was a level of truth, and you could feel it in there. You knew that you weren't getting it, but you knew it was there. Well, just like the house I lived in across the street for five years. I was mm-hmm. getting your material. couldn't even meditate mm-hmm. because of that house. Mm-hmm. But I continued to receive material anyways. But what made you get it anyways? Level of truth. There you go. So it was still talking to you. It was still doing the job. I still say today, you can read the, the handbook of the navigator, even if you read that three or four times, you will read, just like listen to the modules, mm-hmm. and you will get something out of that that you did not get all the other times you read. And you'll be like, I don't remember him saying that. I don't remember reading that. Right. Well, with me, it was a, it's because yeah. it prevents you from seeing it. For me, it was a little bit different. I, I watched the module and said, yeah. I made anything from it. Right. I played it again. Okay, I think I know what he's saying, but I'm not sure. Play it again. Yeah. It'd be five or six times before I even get the idea, let alone know. But the fact that you kept doing, doing it, it right. what is is the thing is that something in your soul had to say, keep listening to this. And what do I say? If you sit out in the rain, yeah, you're gonna get wet. Yeah. Okay. If you keep listening to the material, you're going to something is going to start cracking away that that cemented brain and you're gonna have the light or the life come come crawling out of it you know and you'll you'll awaken you just have to keep just all you have to do is just try to expose yourself to it mm-hmm. yeah speaking of that hitting things over and over and over again mm-hmm. going back to the like any job that you do when I say mine in particular how you said why don't you go ahead and try to love it for a week something like that when you say that, you also mean, though, to have some type of balance. Because I know at one point in time, I was from some other person's advice or something. I tried to kind of just, I, I won't say let my spirituality go completely, but I just tried to do it as if I was in the dough or whatever and just try to enjoy the job. Mm-hmm. And I could find myself sometimes slipping into like an automation mind frame where 
I was becoming like it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even really enjoy it that much, but it was like I was becoming automated in what I was doing. And it wasn't like that balance of spirituality, but also loving the experience. So you want, when you say that, you also mean to have some type of... Well, let me bring it back to old school, okay? When um, my, my first levels of understanding this approach um, happened when I was probably about 22. And it was when I started to really understand the concept of meditation. Because although I would go into deeper states of mind, I was just through my my deeper spiritual time period was that time of my life before that, and psychic, but not meditative. So when I say spiritual, I go in a sense of I I opened up to to God in a sense, or to angels, or to that kind of way of seeing things, much like 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 he would have. And at about 22, when I started to meditate and started to to turn my 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 consciousness inward, because I started to learn to do different things, that's what led to a greater level of enlightenment for me. Um, I had to cope with work. I had to cope with everyday life. And then there's a terminology or a word that was used, and that was called mindfulness. Be mindful. Be mindful of the room we're in, and just bring yourself back. Where are you right now? We're we're, we're in you know we're in rhododendron. We're in the cabin house. We're we're here. Here's, and and mindful is you have a choice to let things eat away at you or let them like a kung fu fighter throw it over your head. They're running at you, they jump. Instead of letting them tackle you, you use their weight with a little bit of your energy and you guide it over you, okay? So if someone were to be negative, you have a you have a choice. You can react to them or you can just see it for what it is and that's their eye needing to, to get gratification, to get a response from you and not give it to them. And just, just use your mindfulness to say, I recognize that this is a negative thing. Either I can automate and get caught into it and react with negative back and go through my stomping and yelling and fighting, or I can just say, you know what, I'm not going to let that absorb me. That's mindfulness. And when I understood what mindfulness was or that I could, could understand it, I was then able to take the everyday grind of life that was, was, was eaten away at me. And I would recognize it for what it was. And I would just go, okay, I'm just going to let it throw it over me. I'm not going to let it, uh, I'm not going to grab the bull by the horns. I'm not going to, to contemplate it or bow. I'm just accepting for what it is. It's where I need to be. It's what I need to do. I will do those things. And, and when I start to think negative about it or dwell on it, I'm just going to be mindful about it. Just let it go over me. Well, the first week or two of trying to be mindful is the hardest part. By the third or fourth week, if you can consistently be thinking of it, all of a sudden it becomes you. Mm-hmm. Okay? In other words, it just becomes your way of looking at things. Now, what happens to most people is they'll all of a sudden take that on and then they'll forget about being mindful. And what happens is, is that eventually you start reverting back to the dough and you start becoming disgruntled and the eyes take over without you thinking about your eyes yep. and you're back in the thick of it again. So the idea is to constantly remind yourself of being mindful. So I always thought it was very interesting when I would visit friends of mine that were Jewish and they would have these little things in every doorway. Even in the hallways, if you walk through into a bedroom, there would be this little thing they bolted to the thing. It's like this little scroll that rolls or something, or it's this something that says something. And every time they walk through a passageway, there's one of these, and they have to kiss it, okay? And I was saying to my friend Ozzy, I was like, why do you have these things in every doorway and stuff? And the gist of what he explained to me was this. It's to remind them all the time about their relationship to God. 
that that you just kind of start doing in life and you don't think anymore and that you lose your relationship to God and that by having these things through every doorway and having to touch them because you walk through doorways all the time it's it's a quick little reminder okay am, am I in check am I still here now of course my thinking is like your thinking is eventually you're just going to be habit forming and not even think about it you know but that's not the point of it yeah. the point of it is okay is that you have to find ways in life to say, I need to be mindful. Do you follow me? Yeah, you this is why I say you guys get, get, get the necklace, even if it's not higher balance, but should be, it's something that if you comb in your hair, you look in the mirror, you see the necklace, you go, aha, I have to remember to be mindful, you know? Uh, or if you bend down and all of a sudden it taps you on the chest, it's, it's better than nothing at all. And you go, oh, yes, I got to be mindful. Um, it's the same way how religion got strong, how you how your faith is built up if you have the cross all the time. You see it, it's, you, you, it's reminding you to be spiritual all the time, and that's what convinces you to stay more religious than all the time. So... It's, it's about finding ways to be creatively more mindful. So I thought, well, why don't I just get a big poster, put it over my door that says, mindful, you know, put it on the refrigerator. Whatever works for you. Yeah. Whatever works for you. I, I think I get an even greater understanding now looking back. How you said that you get, like, everything that's going on in your life is, uh, there's like a pearl in or whatever. And I remember, and I talked to Matthew about this all the time when I first started Star Reach, like I had my ex-wife, and she was, it was constantly, it was like instead of a com like a little simple ring or something, yeah. it was like this complex mindfulness of everything that she did. It was like I was constantly learning how to throw it over my shoulder. Over right. Her. But when she finally left, that petty tyrant was gone, and I'm sitting yeah. there like, what do I do now? <laughs> and so I was, yeah. I was fucked. And that's yeah. why I'm still trying, still kind of... Uh, trying to get back into it now with other things in life but that but you explained exactly how that trail of being mindful the first week being incredibly hard and then it just slowly gets better and better until you all you like kind of all automate the yeah mindfulness. you start to take it for granted yeah yeah and then you fall and back into that exactly eyes. and it's just like it's like a path and you're like oh i'm walking out of the city and you walk and it gets greener and greener and then you're in the forest and you see the creek and you see the water and you're walking on the path and you're walking and then there's a bench and you don't think anything about the bench but the bench is man-made and then you start walking all of a sudden the path turns into a concrete path or one with wood chips on it instead of the dirt and it starts bringing you back to the city and before you know it you're walking you're looking at the buildings you're looking at the trees planted in the building thing and you you're all of a sudden now back in the city and you forgot all about what it felt like to be in the nature True. and so one has to always try to remember to always be mindful and i i think even for me is something that I'm always struggling to have to get back to. And and that it is the dough. The dough is all powerful. <laughs> the dough is all powerful. And it's about saying I have to, to find ways to remind remain mindful. And you know how I remain mindful? Teaching. Oh yeah, that's great. That's, that's that's what makes me survive. And this is why I say to all the other people, teach, 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 teach. That's what I do. Yes. And if you have somebody to teach, it will make you mindful because you have to think about it. <laughs> true. Yeah. Very you true. can't speak, you can't do it unless you're thinking it. That is extremely true because I remember when I was mm -hmm. teaching. Yeah, it's, it is your truest salvation is to exercise your, your spiritual mind instead of letting it become sedentary, okay, and, and fall into the dough. The only way to do that is to continue exercising the consciousness because we're bringing it into this dimension. I noticed too. I find more satisfaction like him talking to somebody even back Christianity, but yet yep. the higher, deeper yep. means of 
yep. the, what the Bible says, and yep. I can get a deep satisfaction out of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It helps a lot. It, it helps a great deal. So it exercises what you know, and what you learned in the beginning is just as powerful and potent as what you were learning for the more advanced stuff. <laughs> and when you forget the lower stuff, there's nothing to hold up the advanced stuff. It is it is like a, a foundation. That's why we start off with foundation. It's the ground. Lose your foundation and the whole building is going to do what? It's going to come down. So if you don't maintain the foundation, you've got a problem. So by teaching, it always brings me back down to the lower, and then it also maintains the higher. And so that's why I find that teaching is the greatest way to maintain your spiritualness in an environment that's constantly in the dough. That's excellent. Well, I had a lot of questions that I didn't want to ask, but uh, uh, no, I guess I mean, you are now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you did say. I mean, you have said before um, something about 2011-12 is kind of the macro war on a global scale, and then after 2012, the the micro war is going to happen. Yeah, is that when people can use their high guard or their skills to, or, or how, how how is that? Well, as I said, it will be more individual then it will be collective. Okay. But it always still is collective in the end. It's just it's just how the approach will be. But that's a five-hour conversation in itself, and I, I, I can't get into all that. Right. All right. Well, you mentioned, um, I think it was in one of the modules, maybe discovering the one when you um, were cycling attack. Suppose one of us found ourselves in a, in a similar situation. Well, then like, you better hope you study the right model. <laughs> yeah, so you know what to do is either pull out your sword or throw up your pyramid or, you know, control right. your breathing and consciousness and your frequency fields. There's there's an awful lot there. Oh, yeah. I'm just thinking about, like, what Eric was in Mexico. is like, you can't very well get up in the middle of a cafe and just start flinging energy at people. <laughs> well, it depends on the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. You may not give a shit who's watching. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I say better to do it in a cafeteria with people you don't know than to do it at the dinner table and your family goes, what the frick is he doing? <laughs> yeah. This concludes the Higher Balance audio course, Conversations with Eric, Volume 2. If you have any questions in regards to this course or any of the other modules that Higher Balance has to offer, please call our toll-free number at 1-800-935-4007. Or for international participants, please call 503-808-9570. Or you can visit us on the web at www.higherbalance.com. Thank you. A lot of people ask us, where is the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the Foundation Meditation System. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation Meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com 
order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free Guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at Higher Balance Institute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. Meditation. It's more than just relaxation. There are different kinds of meditation, just like there are different tools to do a job. Finding the right kind of meditation will decide whether you awaken or whether you just simply drift. Energy. More than just a thought, but of movement that you can literally feel through your body. Visions. More than a faded idea within your consciousness, but rather a vivid reality so clear it'll make you question reality itself. Meditation, if used properly, will show you how to move the currents of your mind into a better life, a more prosperous life, consciousness expanding, memory improvement, inner balance, higher balance. Most of all, discover who and what you are and what you can do. Join us at Higher Balance Institute. We'll help change your world. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio.